the lines in it, oh say can you see, and when you look at the back at Francis Scott Key that wrote our national anthem, this was during a crucial war for uh, battle for our independence, and he's writing on the fact of basically, am I going to see the flag, and is that going to show that we're still standing and we have the hope of a new nation? And from that, our national anthem was uh, written, the birth of a nation, and would we prevail? And so many times in life, we feel like that. You know, you're right in the middle of something, and it's like, I can't see the, the forest for the trees. And, and I think even now, you know, not trying to just ride the whole COVID thing, but it's not even about COVID, but in this past year, there's been so much stuff that you feel like you're in a trench and you are above your head and you have never experienced this before. You can't see it. You don't understand it. The fact that our culture is rapidly rushing, uh, it's already was going there towards lostness, but just, just, you know, the fact that maybe we as the American church are waking up to that. Um, we can feel like, hey, can I see any hope? Can I see God? Can I see whatever I'm going through a way to make it through? And so what I want to ask you today is we're going to do a little spiritual eye test on where, how well are you seeing the things of, of God. And you can choose to see through the eyes of fear. Again, when this all started, we did a whole series, and I challenged you to learn the verse, Second Timothy you know, 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I had to learn that because all the time God is wanting, uh, not God, but Satan is wanting me to fear. And so I have to remember, is this fear from God? No, because God gives me a, a sound mind. And so we need to choose to see through eyes. Uh, we make a choice when we feel surrounded, when we feel everything's over our head. Are we going to see through eyes of fear? Because that's what Satan wants. Or are we going to see through eyes of faith? And so your challenge today, your action step, is th see through eyes of faith. See through eyes of faith. And we need to do that with everything we're dealing with. And so many times in life, I'm continually inundated by Satan to see through what I physically can see. Or what I'm physically experiencing. Or what I'm emotionally experiencing. Instead of, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Seeing through eyes of faith. And your points today are going to spell out the word faith. And we, can, uh, we see this in this biblical uh, account of Elisha. Now, we know Elijah and Elisha. Elisha came after Elijah. And in the first part of the chapter, we see that, you know, he has now preceded Elijah. This is his first outing. Uh, they were building things in the school of prophets. And you might say, well, what's the big deal about losing an axe head? But, you know, you start, um, I, I had... I had uh, my friend that makes knives, he uh, made my son and I hatchets, and he said, I'll never do that again. Not because he doesn't like us, but, um, and he's like a master at doing this stuff, but it's really hard to make those axe heads and to fold them over and to get the right strength. And so that's now. What do you think it was like back then in the Bible times? So an axe head would be like your co combine or something for a farmer. You know, I'm just a major tool, a major expense. And so it fell off, it dropped in the water, and one of Elijah, Elisha's first uh, miracles, if I keep saying Elijah, I'm still talking about Elisha, one of his uh, first miracles was to make the axe head float in the water. And uh, so now um, we see that 
Uh, he's informing to the king of Israel on what the enemies are doing because he's a prophet. He speaks God's truth. God speaks to him. The king of Syria doesn't like it, and so he sends out his special forces to take care of Elisha. The devil does not like it, guys, if we talk to people about Christ. The devil does not like it if we're following Christ in the midst of lostness. And because he wants people to remain lost. And so we need to understand this. I don't like it, but it is part of our, our, our DNA as Christians that there will be opposition. I didn't say be mean. I didn't say fight it in a worldly way. But there is going to be persecution. And I think now, more than ever, I was listening, uh, Chuck Colson's dead now, but uh, another guy's taken on his Breakpoint podcast, and I haven't listened to that, but on, yeah, I'm going to talk about the world and everything in it, because I'm going to tell you right now, if you want news that's just news and solid that you can trust, you need to start listening to that, the world and everything in it. And so this, this guy is a regular uh, contributor, and he talked about the fact now in society, you need to think about uh, your strategy when you get fired. Now, I don't want to get fired. I've got to think about if I ever did get fired, maybe once. Okay, we won't get into that, but it wasn't a church-related thing, okay? But, uh, so it's none of your business. Uh, HIPAA, HIPAA, HIPAA's protected me on that or whatever. But what we're talking about is if you're going to follow God, you need to be thinking mentally now. I mean, some of you retire, but, you know, okay, I need to be ready for this. And that doesn't mean I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get fired. Okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be rude. No, I'm just saying that if there's a point where you're going to go with God's word and do it in love, you need to be thinking about this is what God wants. I've lived with peace with God and man, and so I need to go on because I need to go with God. And that's just one aspect. And so we see Elisha uh, is getting pressure from what he's doing. So that brings us to chapter 6, verse 12. And one of his servants said, uh, this is the king of Syria, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And, I was and it was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. And so he, went, so he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Okay, we need to understand this. Um, we know drones and we know all this technology that we have. I want you to imagine whatever the top thing we have in our military, that is what the king of Syria is sending at that time. Because chariots, horses, the tanks of that day, the rapid movement, it said great army, didn't say small, and they're going by night to get there rapidly and also to overtake him. And so Dothan is a hill city and it has, it, it means two wells, so obviously it probably had two wells. And it was the hometown of Elisha and here he's sending a large army of special forces with special equipment to take one man. Um, so what we see here is a, is a battle that is coming to him. Look at uh, the servant's response in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, some of us like Westerns and, you know, my goodness, John Wayne and the Alamo. You know, that is a classic movie, okay? And some of you have been to the Alamo, and I went to the Alamo. I've been there a few times. Like, really? Yeah, <laughs> because now all of San Antonio is all around the Alamo now. But at that time, 
I, I want to go out to the set where they filmed it. That's outside San Antonio, but I haven't done that yet in my life. But some of you that have uh, seen that movie or another movie, just the point where they're defending the rights for, for uh, Texas to, to be independent on its own, and suddenly, I don't know if it was one day, but they wake up and Santa Ana, the Army of Mexico, has surrounded them. That's, you know, those of you can do a mental picture, you know, of the fact of his servant wakes up and he is physically surrounded and he says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And again, I go back to how you may feel sometimes in life. Where's the way out? What's going on here? And you ask the question, he's asking the man of God that is master, but we ask Christ that is our master, what's going on here? And I want to help you with this. This is one of my, my favorite biblical accounts because we seem to ignore, I'm going to do a spoiler alert, that we're in a spiritual battle. And we're in a spiritual battle with unseen things. And we need to understand that and, and not be obsessed by it but understand who our true enemy is, what our true weapons are, and what's going on, and who wins in the end. And so, notice the master's response in verses 16 and 17. He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw and beheld the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Notice that he comforted, the, he, first of all, he comforted the man of God, comforted them with the word of God. And this is what we need to do as Christians. First of all, we need to go to God's word, biblical worldview. How am I going to see the world? I'm going to need to see it through the Bible. So therefore, when I'm challenged, I need to go to the word and God will instruct me how to see that and how to understand that. And so also, that's not just for you, but you encourage believers when you know the word and you, and you encourage them with the word. So the man of, of God with the word of God. Uh, this uh, started with this standard opening statement when he's doing a prophecy, when doing a prophecy of salvation is the fact God continually says this uh, uh, as many times as the days that we have in the year, do not be afraid, fear not. Again, we're listening just like Peter, we're seeing the uh, the waves uh, lapping up, we're hearing the wind, our eyes are on Jesus, we're walking on water, and then suddenly we let the stuff of life surround us and we sink. He's speaking the term, do not be afraid. And again, the Lord is the one who opens the eyes. And, and he said, those that are with us, those that are with us, I almost titled it, that's one of the titles for the sermon, but those that are with us, that's what stuck out to me. You need to understand who's with you. And Romans 8.31 says, If the Lord is with us, who can be against us? But so many times, guys, the, Satan wants you to focus on what's going on. He wants you to be distracted. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, and, and the fact that, you know, that... that they're surrounded by God. So your first feeling, if we're, going, if we're going to see through the eyes of faith, we have to first realize faith is the key to see. Stepping out, believing what you can't see, trusting God. Hebrews 11.6 says this, For without faith it is impossible to please Him. For, for whoever will draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Faith. 
Yes, we can know some things. Yes, we can see some things. Through the Chosen series, we see Jesus is performing miracles. And, uh, and, uh, and last week he asked the question, well, they're only believing because they saw, but that's how God was working. And somewhere, somehow, you saw the power of God working in somebody's life or in your life. You heard the words of truth and you decided to step out on what you couldn't see. If you're going to see spiritually, you've got to have faith that there is a God. You have to have faith that Jesus Christ is the God and the way. And that He, through the Holy Spirit, can help you see. Faith is the key to really see. What, what did He see? He saw a mountain full of legions of angels, fully equipped, surrounding Elisha and his servants. And I go back to the prophet says, not Elisha, but other prophets said that the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. I want you to understand, we're surrounded. Now, I have to be reminded of this, because what happens in life, you're like, man, this stinks. I can't see. I mean, it's the littlest things that get me all worked up, not the big things. I need to be reminded of this every day. We're surrounded. Michael W. Smith, you may stole it for somebody else, but you know he has a good praise song that talks about that. And the fact that God surrounded us. We might be surrounded by somebody else, but we know that they, they're surrounding God. That's laughable. And so what we see here, what the, what the servant saw was who was with him. And right now we're in the Shadowlands, as C.S. Lewis called it. We can only see a, a, a dim reflection. And the mirrors back at that time that Paul talks about were not great mirrors. They were just like metal that was polished or whatever. And the fact that you'd see a, a general reflection would be better if you went out to a creek and looked in the water to see what you look like. But what we see spiritually right now of real life is just a dim reflection. We are in the Shadowlands, our real enemy we need to see, our real battle and our real protection and what is really going on and who and what we are really uh, dealing with. And Ephesians 6.12, you need to understand this. This is another verse that you need to learn. But for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Satan wants us to fight each other, within the church and without the church. Now, what the world says is not fighting, is not speaking the truth. And our aim should never be fight, but that lost person is being lied to by the devil. And you are salt and you are light. And so we need to understand, it really helps you when you feel like you have an enemy, and I have to do this myself, but some enemies I've been dealing with that every time I get to the point I want to get upset with them, I need to stop and pray and realize this verse, who is my battle really against? Because Satan wants us all to fight, and it's very interesting to me. I find one-on-one, -on -one, regardless of color or decisions people are making, that one-on-one -on -one, people can usually be pretty nice to each other, and, and, but it starts with me. And understanding, my battle is not against them. My battle is against the devil that is lying to people. And so we need to understand, guys, we, we wrestle uh, Christians struggling with the power of evil, the power of the prince of this present age, which is sa Satan. Darkness, dark, and, and it darkens our eyesight. They're blind 
to it. But so many times as Christians, now you can go overboard and say, I'm really going to focus on the fact that there's demons everywhere and all that. There's just a limited number of demons, but there's a lot of them. Satan is not God. He cannot be everywhere at once. But Satan has a good uh, set of files, and he knows your family's generational sin. And what I want to talk about generational sin is there are things that are normal for you because they happen in your family as sin. And those of you that can break those generation sins, you can break them for your children to the fourth generation. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's some things Satan knows are histories. But he can't, he's not God. He can't be everywhere at once. But he is our enemy, and he wants to blind you, and he wants to blind the lost to what's really going on. Spiritual, higher than man, but inferior to God. We need to understand it. Our battle is not against each other, but it's against Satan and his forces. I'm going to mention some books. They are fiction, but I think they're pretty biblical. But the book, This Present Darkness, which came out a long time ago, great fictional book, you will enjoy it. And then there was a sequel to that, that uh, pretty biblical, not on what happened in the story, but how Satan works and his demons. Also, uh, C.S. Lewis, a long time ago, you can listen to it on audio or whatever, or the screw tape letters, he talks about how the devil works. And a really good one. And then also, really good one, the Lord, uh, Lord Falgram's letters and the Ishbane conspiracy. Now, I will help you with those later, but those are really good. They're, he's got it filmed here. Okay, whatever. But though, and please do some links if you can spell those. Okay, but those are really good books, whether you read them or listen to them. They're fictional, but they deal with spiritual warfare, demons and angels and prayer, and they're pretty biblical. We need to understand and so, what, what we need to do, your next phone, if we're going to see with the eyes of faith, we need to aim at the right enemy. I have to constantly be reminded of this. I want to aim at what's in front of me. And I'm, look, I'm not looking beyond that. You know? And we need, to, we need to realize that the battle is not against each other, but it's against Satan. But society right now, and this is why I bring up whether whatever side of the news we're, we're on, I, and I don't think the world is perfect, but it, those of you who grew up where people just actually reported the news and didn't give their opinion, it's refreshing. But whatever's going on, I, to, uh, I truly believe the media is feeding us fighting each other. And so we need to understand, this is why you need to know that verse. My battle is against nobody that I come across because they're my neighbor, according to God's word. And what are we aiming at then? Look at verse 18. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to him, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now I sat there and I wondered if Elisha was lying in verse 19. I, you know, this is not the way. No, he's taking them. To, he's taking them to be captured. Okay, and they're not right by doing it. I'm gonna stretch it. Okay, follow me, and I will bring you the man whom you seek. They can't see right now. He's gonna reveal himself. So I think he's kind of edging. But it was probably an easier way to move a massive army ten miles to captivity. 
So they enter Samaria, and, and like again on the Chosen series, Jesus is spending some time in Samaria, and the Samarians were considered the half-breeds from the Jews, and they were looked down upon. But at this time, we, if you go back and understand the kings, the kingdoms were, the king of Israel was in Samaria. This is how we got the split and all this stuff going on. And so he leads them to the king that, that, he, uh, that he's helping, and now they're surrounded. The enemy attack still came. Notice this. Well, they're not my enemy. Uh, Satan's my enemy, and I'm surrounded. But guess what? We're still going to be attacked. But Elisha prayed to God to handle it, to blind them. And the lost, we understand, are already blind. We need to understand that. Notice what weapon Elisha consistently used was to pray. And I'm calling myself out. Prayer is, prayer is a struggle because we always get distracted. We always get prayer misdefined. And we make it harder than what it needs to be. And it needs to be, I'm talking to myself because so many times I'll get in a prayer group and something happens and then kaplooey. But it's got to be a habit because it is the da most dangerous weapon we have in our arsenal. And I really think we've been scared out of it. I've mentioned it before, but in a church in Arkansas, when we first started out doing full-time ministry, and they had the prayer room, okay? And this guy was really called for the prayer ministry. And I went in there, and there was a book this thick, no lie. Uh, maybe this thick, no, okay, whatever. But I, it just scared the crowd out of me. It's like, how do I do this? And not that I didn't know to pray, but guys, I'm not against how any of us pray, but we, we've watched examples and, they went, and, and I believe examples of prayer have been good, but we've said, I've got to pray this way. And over time, studying prayer, and again, backing up the cart and trying again as a church, we're to be a house of prayer, and I want to lead you in that, and I'm still figuring out how we're going to do that. Well, how you, isn't prayer easy? But how we meet together and we pray for things, because I think that's the most powerful thing we can do. And, but Satan intentionally wants us not to use this weapon. Because Hebrews 4.16 says, Go boldly before the throne of grace that we may receive grace and mercy in our time of need. That we can intercede and change the mind of God. If you go back here, you know, uh, he, all the way through everything we've been looking at so far, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. 17, he prayed, opened his servant's eyes to see. For God's people to see. Well, God's people can see all the time. Really? How you may be saved and you're God's person, but God's continually wanting to grow you and you can't see a certain area in your life or maybe your family or people that you know, you're, you're, you're in church with or whatever. It's not God strike them or teach them. What, it has to start with us. But notice he prayed that God's people could see. We need to, you know, I, I was watching, <laughs> I like funny series and those guys from whatever the car talk or it, I don't know what the name of the show was, but it was an awesome car show where they drove fast cars all over the world and then they got canceled because they did something wrong. So anyway, the guy, the guy did another show on Amazon and he's doing a farm. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's hilarious. But he has a helper that is a farmer and he's like in his 20s. And so one time they're dealing with water on the farm and he says, well, this is going to be kind of like Moses. And the 20-year-old, this is in Britain, is like, who's Moses? 
And then he said, well, it's in the Bible, da 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 And this guy that's telling him is lost, but he's like almost 60. But this kid that he's talking to is 20. And he says, that's total rubbish. Never had heard of it. Let's go back to VBS. Let's go back to what we need to concentrate on. A lot of those children had no base at all. This is the reality that we need to understand where most of us are there is God open their eyes that they can understand. Let's not assume that God's people understand because this is why we're in the shape we're in right now is because a lot of, a lot of churches are not continuing to be in the Bible and weeding out what's in the Bible to understand it. We need to pray that God opens believers' eyes and it starts with opening our eyes to His truth. So he prayed that, uh, open eyes. In 18, he prayed to stop his enemies, to blind them. My goodness. I don't know why I'm bringing up all these, uh, uh, these books, but they're, they're books that, that really gave me, helped me change in some areas. But uh, God's Smuggler. God's Smuggler by uh, Brother Andrew. And again, if you don't read much, get it on audio or whatever. I don't know. But that's the story of Brother Andrew who uh, founded Open, uh, Open Doors Ministry that's still around today, and they bring Bibles into places that Bibles are banned, that Christians are banned. And he was doing this, for those of you that are older will understand this, during the Cold War, he was smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. And when you read through how many times God blinded the eyes of the lost, so he could get through. That's another prayer. See, see, I want you to really, and, and we'll get into prayer. We'll, we'll get on that. When we make it too hard. I like one thing I got out of the Purpose Driven uh, Life. It talked about a section of a, of a monk that prayed sentence prayers throughout the day. You just need to start talking to God. You just need to lay it out there and ha start having a conversation. We need to pray. And you need to pray when God brings some things up to you. Don't wait. But we need to get comfortable with this. Pray for God's people's eyes to be open. Pray for Satan to be stopped. You know, and those things. So the next thing, if you're going to continue to see through the eyes of faith, we need to infuse your life with prayer. You need to start. There are too many. If you're not electronical, that's fine. But there are too many good apps on prayer, to help you pray, to remind you to pray, to help you understand. There's too much good stuff. And I want to help you, and I'm learning too. And I've been in ministry 30 years, and I've also had mentors that they still struggle with this because why does, God, why does Satan not want me to pray or to understand or to lead you into that? Because it is that very dangerous thing. We are talking to the creator of the universe, and we can go before his throne. So we need to infuse our life with prayer. Just start talking to God. I've been under great ministers, and I'm not even talking about uh, Mitch, but I remember one of them when I was growing up, it's like, man, he just had these really long prayers, and I thought that's how he had to do it, or whatever. And I can do the flowery thing, and it's like the fact of then I start shifting gears on the fact, am I saying this out loud so everybody can hear it, or am I talking to you, God? We just need to get comfortable with talking to God. And so we need to infuse. When you infuse something, those of you that are healthy, okay, and you got the water and you put your lime in it or your cucumber and you got that ball and you shake it up and supposedly get some taste out of it, well, we need to infuse our lives with prayer. 
Whatever you do generally, hey, oh, I better pray about that. Just talking to God. Ephesians 6.18 says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To, the, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And this is at the end of the, of, of the section where I told you that who our battle is against, same, same chapter, and then he goes in the armor of God, and notice what he puts on the tail end of it. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying for one another. Keep on praying. We also see the actions he took and, and the spirit he took in them. He told them, he asked them to follow him, he led them to open their eyes to see that they were surrounded, that God is in control. This is what we need to do with the lost. We need to help open their eyes that your situation is not okay, and my situation was not okay. And you may think everything's fine, but God is in control. You just got to go by the Holy Spirit. This is our responsibility with the lost, that they are spiritually blinded, and we have to lead them to see the reality of their situation. Everything in society is saying, everything in false Christianity is everybody's okay. Wow, that's a scary place to be. Verse 21, as soon as the king of Israel saw that, he said to Elisha, my, uh, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He's saying it twice, okay? He answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to your master, uh, and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master, and the Syrians did not come again on the raids of the land of Israel. Our natural desire when we are victorious or have the upper hand is for vengeance. But that's not the way God provides victory. We've been saved. We deserve wrath. We deserve vengeance. We deserve all these things, and God has showed us grace. Yet, when it's somebody else that's hurt us, me included, sick them, God. I've gotten to the point where I have to understand I feel more sorry or think what they're doing is silly, and I feel more sorry for them because guess what? They're lost. You know, a wild animal, when you get it back in the corner, what's it going to do? It's going to fight back. And we need to understand this, that we need to kill them with kindness. The Bible talks about it. It was a, 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 an ancient custom or saying, and then Jesus brings it up. In the New Testament, that when you're kind to someone, abbreviating, you're killing them with kindness, you're heaping hot coals on their head. Go back to uh, uh, Voice of the Martyrs and which, uh, Richard Wormbrand and, and, and his, his book about his life, talking about the fact of his captors and the fact that through the Holy Spirit, he continued to be kind to them and just was infuriating them because they were asking the question, why? Why are you, you know... And really, it had to be the Holy Spirit because everything naturally in us wants us to fight back. Killing them with kindness. Investing in them. And notice what they did. They had a feast. And this was a common to set... This was common between two enemies to set a covenant. They could have killed them. <laughs> notice, without God's guidance, the king of Israel, shall we, <laughs> shall we strike them down? Shall we strike them down? Come on, we're ready. We can do it. You know, that kind of thing. It's harder, guys. It's harder to have that self-control through the Holy Spirit to say, uh, God can 
punish and handle them better than I can. And we forget about the grace that God gave us. And so they had a feast. They had a treaty of peace. And the goal is repentance. I mention this a lot, Romans 2.14. I encourage you to go to the upper part of, I mean 2.4. And I encourage you to go to the verses before that. But 2.4 says this, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and, and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's grace, God's uh, long-suffering, he, there will be a time of judgment, but the reason He is taking long is because He wants people to come to repentance. And that's what we need to do with the lost, us as Christians, is to help lead people to repentance. Part of seeing through your last, uh, your last one, part of seeing through the, uh, the eyes of faith is seeing God's grace and mercy for others and ourselves. To take mercy on yourself and others. That's not the last one, obviously, because it's not fate. Okay, all right, but take mercy on yourselves and others. I'm tired of this. Oh, I'm so bad, God can't save me. Really? Jesus can't handle what, what you got going down. Yeah, I can. We accept that a lot, and then we're like, well, they hurt me. We get, our, we, get our own, we get blinded by our own hurt and don't realize God wants to save them. He wants, to, he wants them to understand His grace. Seen through the eyes of, uh, and your, your next one, seen through the eyes of faith is all based on who and what your hope is in. Hope in who God is. Let's talk about that for a minute. Who is God? Exodus 14, 14, a verse I've had to learn is you have only to be silent and the Lord will fight for you. God is your protector. God is your defender. God is your fortress. Psalms 91.2 says this, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God is your shield. Proverbs 35 says this, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. You've got to do that. God is our shelter. Psalms 91.1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God is our hiding place, Psalms 32.7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Shouts of deliverance. We've got to stop crouching down and thinking we have nothing when we're children of the King. And we're surrounded by God. And we have the power of God behind us and we can storm the gates of hell but everything now in this society is saying, be quiet in your words, be quiet in your actions, go to the gospel, go to love, go forward. Because you're surrounded by God. All, all when we choose to see through the eyes of faith. So just as Francis Scott Key penned those words, oh say can you see, and looking for the result to see that our flag was still standing there in a birth of a nation, what can you see? How's your spiritual eye test? Today, this week, you need to ask the question, am I seeing through fear? Or you may not be seeing through fear, you may be seeing for faith, but you know that one thing that gets you, and suddenly you get fearful. You need to stop and ask the question, well, why am I fearful here when I trust God here? My eyesight's not that good there. Who and how are you? Who and what are you aiming at? Nobody's our enemy. Satan is our enemy. 
And Satan wants us fighting each other. And guys, the gospel is one-on-one. The gospel is loving people one-on-one. Who are you choosing not to take mercy on? Give yourself mercy today. Give others mercy. And what are you hoping in? So we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation. How are you seeing what's going on in your life right now? Because if I look through the eyes of the world, I would say, this is horrible. If I were to look through the eyes of the flesh, I would basically go off and live by myself and tell everybody else, forget you. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And I'm looking through eyes of faith. And I'm not perfect. But maybe there's one of these points today that you need to focus on. That one, you're not seeing through faith. And you you may not be aiming at the right enemy. And you haven't been infusing your life with faith. And not continue to hope in Him. All these things you need to lay down whatever you're doing and give it to God today. Lord, I thank you for this time. And I pray however we need to be obedient today that we'll choose to be obedient to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.